And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. The DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 and you will get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD enriched, deliciously and potentially life changing Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, we've got some snippets of our draft coverage that those of you who weren't able to watch while it was going on live and you know only listened to this podcast uh, may have missed out on. And, and we wanted to make sure that you all had the opportunity to hear this. Initially, my goal was to make this the, the pitching podcast. And just to give you Jason Hirsch and Mark Knutson, both of whom you will be hearing from, on this episode, both of whom are former Colorado Rockies pitchers themselves, and both of whom currently work with amateur pitchers in the state of Colorado. So two pretty good people to have when you're trying to look for some insight into pitching in this state, whether it's at the high school, college, or professional level. We've pretty much got that entire spectrum covered with those two guests. But as I was listening to it, There were a few other people in here that I could have cut out or tried to put into another conversation where they didn't fit quite as neatly. So instead, I decided to just keep this conversation sort of in the order that it took place. So you'll hear a very little bit from Tracy Ringlesby. We we lost him in technical issues, but I decided since this was going to be a bit of a smorgasbord, this would be a good place to have that in because I still thought the thoughts that we did get from him were useful and valuable. And we've also got in here the Lancaster hitting coach, Tom Sataris, uh, uh, one of Patrick's Jersey boys, but also uh, just a great student of the game, obviously someone who knows a ton about baseball and uh, is going to be hopefully, hopefully, hopefully working with Zach Veen very, very soon. Uh, So we've got all of that for you in here. Plus you're going to hear some from Rudo, who jumps into the conversation a little bit, especially when we get talking about some of the strangest names in this draft and in baseball history. That's a fun part, too. So it does kind of go all over the board. The main theme of this one is pitching. You'll hear from Jason Hirsch and then a little while later, Mark Knudsen. But got some fun stuff in and around there as well. Got to remind everybody that while the wait is over for legal betting, in the state of Colorado. And you know that you got to get hooked up with our guys over at DraftKings Sportsbook. You've got to get it downloaded. Use that code DNVR and uh, they'll get you hooked up with all kinds of cool bonuses. It's safe. It's secure. It's reliable. 
you can deposit your funds and you can withdraw your funds whenever you want, just like how you can place bets whenever you want. They're offering special odds, promotions throughout the, really throughout weeks and months on end as <laughs> they're, they're evolving with the times as the rest of us are, as we try to figure out what's going to be on big UFC fights coming up. Golf is back. KBO, you know, the drill, all kinds of cool stuff. If you got in on the draft, you could have made some money. Make sure you're listening to our DNVR bet show. So download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DNVR when you sign up for a limited time. All new users can get a sign up bonus of up to a thousand dollars. With that sign-up bonus, just enter code DNVR when you get the app only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to 500 bucks. Deposit bonus requires 25 by playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. <laughs> I can say it. It's fine. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call one 800 522 Zero, zero. And because I'm going to present the rest of this conversation uh, without interruption, I do want to give a shout out to WGT Golf, the most beloved golf game, free golf game in the world, loved by over 20 million people, including yours truly. It's also the official sponsor of DNVR Gaming, which we are extraordinarily appreciative of. You can play closest to the whole full-stroke play on world-famous golf courses, including Pebble Beach, Bethpage Black, St. Andrews, and more. You can join our country club, challenge any number of DNVR staff or other members of our community to matches at just about any time. So make sure you go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT Golf today. Let's jump right back into our conversation from day two of the draft, beginning with Tracy Ringlesby. We had him and we lost him again. We may be having fun technologically. You know, you know, he lives out there in the country, up there in the. All right, looks like we've got him. We're we're, get, we're bringing him on as quickly as we can. We got to talk to the Hall of Famer, Trace Cowboy. Thanks for joining us. And uh, what do you think of this draft so far? Well, I, th- I think it's been an interesting one. I think, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of trust in Billy Schmidt. I think he's done a good job. Um, you know, I really like I really like the first couple of picks he's made. Interesting one they just made in the fourth round when they get the high school pitcher out of Castle Rock. But, you know, Billy lives down in Douglas County. I'm sure he's pretty much aware of uh, the case Williams has to offer. You know, I, I think when you, when you look at the drafts that Schmidt's had ever since he finally got rid of the – the burden of Bill Guy Vett getting in the way of everything and interrupting. Um, he's he's hit really well and he's done exceptionally well with high school. So uh, I, mean, I think that's possible. That's a good thing. I think Case Williams is interesting because, you know, a lot like Freeland, they won't be afraid of the altitude. You know, Kyle might have had a bad year this year, but it wasn't because he was afraid to pitch at Coors Field. It's where he grew up. I think when you when you grow up in that part of the country uh, or in our part of the country. It's kind of a chip on your shoulder. You don't want people telling you why you can't pitch well there. Yeah. Yeah. Tracy, uh, Zach Veen, of course, uh, their first pick yesterday, ninth overall. You know, I, I don't know if there was anyone you you were, had more interest in on the board, or if you just think, hey, the best high school hitter when he's left around at nine, you gotta you gotta take that opportunity when you got it. Zach Veen, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I had a hard time hearing you, but I mean, I think. 
the thing that uh, the thing you have to look at him for with with him is, uh, you know, he's 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 got big time power. We got him in as quickly as we could. We we held on to him for as long as we could. You have to cherish your time with Tracy Ringlesby, as short as it may or may not be. Uh, see how the internet connections are running up in there. Let's go ahead because we've got a, another guest, uh, a pitcher who maybe can give a little bit of an insight into some of these guys the Rockies have been taking. Someone you know as one of the heroes of the 2007 season, literally gave his leg in the battle for the NL pennant. Jason Hirsch, thanks for taking the time, man. Yeah, I gave, gave my leg, right? He like thought it off and, uh, and, and donated it to the cause. That's how I remember it going down. Was that? Well, I, I, I'm okay with that, I guess, at this point. So uh, I just wanted to get your your sort of takeaways here. I know you do a lot of work out there with amateur pitchers. Um, we were expecting the Rockies to take more pitchers up top. They they end up with these guys, Chris McMahon, Seth. I keep wanting to call him Seth, and I don't know why. Sam Weatherly. And now that this kid out of Douglas County, and I, I don't know if you, you, you know much about this kid. I didn't. Um, so just looking for your, your kind of thoughts here. Yeah. You know, uh, case is definitely an interesting pick. I don't think he was really, I mean, when you talk to a lot of, uh, baseball development guys around, um, the state of Colorado guys like RJ Dobovich, uh, were, were high on that list. Jack Moss was high on that list. Um, you know, those, those were guys that I think you would, would have seen come off the board first in terms of Colorado guys. Um, so, you know, for case to come off, obviously congrats to him, local kid. That's awesome. Um, uh, you know, the Rockies taking a chance with a local guy, I think is awesome. And, you know, it shows that, you know, he knows how to pitch at altitude. He knows, you know, the comforts of Colorado, so to speak. Obviously this is not where he's going to cut his teeth. Um, this is not where he's going to develop. He's going to develop, uh, you know, basically all around the country, but that familiarity here, uh, I think shows just with, you know, how well Kyle had done when he first came. Uh, came up to the big leagues, uh, that, that ability to adjust to the home ballpark, I think, was was an easier adjustment for him just because he had done it before. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely an interesting pick. I, I, I agree with you, Drew, in that, you know, I thought they were going to go arms early on. But, you know, I think it's one of those take the best available player who is going to, you know, potentially, you know, in your system grow and develop. I think what a lot of people need to realize is that with, uh, these draft picks, they may not ever be Rockies, and that's okay. They may end up being used as trade chips to go get somebody who will be a Rocky uh, one day. That you know, again, the Rockies historically have not developed pitching for the big league level. Knowing that, you go out and draft high leverage or high ceiling position players that you can then turn around and flip for pitchers who somebody else developed and become proven at the big league level. And now that's a guy that you can use in your system. You know, guys they like- They did that with Corey Dickerson when they, they traded a, a back right. that they developed, they got Herman Marquez. Sure, right. Marquez uh, and De La Rosa was another guy that, that they got as a, a, a kind of a throw-in. Uh, he was a player to be named in, in, in the trade. And now he ends up being the greatest Rockies pitcher of all time. So uh, at least up to this point. So again, know kind of know what you're good at and in this case right now the Rockies know that they're really good at developing outfielders and hitters and if you can develop a gluttony of those and then turn around and utilize those to get the pieces that you actually want 
that ends up being, you know, a kind of a, I know it's like a 30,000 overfoot view and the uh, fans out there might be, well, we want to develop pitchers. I'm like, that's great. But the Rockies are not very good at that right now. Maybe in the future they will be, but we know what they are really good at. And it's a constant turnover of those kinds of guys. Simple concept. Use a strength to improve a weakness. Correct. Now, uh, you're a owner of a fast baseball development uh, right there in and around Denver. There you go, rocking the shirt. Uh, of course, you know, drafted uh, out of college. From what you've seen in firsthand, you know, what is the difference that you can expect from a high school arm uh, from a college arm? Um, it, it, it really depends on the type of arm it is but um, and the type of player you're getting. But typically with a college player, you're seeing more polish. Um, you're seeing a higher level of competition that they have faced in their careers, and therefore you might say that that player would be effectively fast-tracked. With a high school player, um, you get uh, you get more tread on the tires. They haven't thrown nearly as much as a collegiate player maybe would have um, by that point in their career. Uh, you get a lower level of competition. You know, that's great that I struck out, you know, 8,000 people in my high school career because I throw 98 and everybody can't hit it. Um, but you get a lot more time to develop those guys. You get an additional, let's just say three years, um, assuming that your, your college arm is gonna get drafted as a junior, you're getting three years of extra time to develop those guys. So as an 18 year old or as a 21 year old, it, it just depends. Um, some organizations really love college arms for the polish because they need them in the big leagues faster. Some organizations are willing to put in the time with a high school arm and allow them to kind of mature and grow at their own pace. And maybe that is a five-year plan or four-year plan versus a college athlete who might be a two to three-year plan. As you talk about that element of it and, and combining it with what you said earlier about the Rockies and development, they take this kid, Chris McMahon, at 46, who's 21 and a half years old. He's got a solid pick, more of a high-floor guy. They, they, they kind of like... That is that the type of pick then that makes more sense to you than say like a Riley Pint they did a couple of years ago, ton of potential there. But you know this right. guy's been been grown at the University of Miami a little bit and is maybe seen as a bit safer. Yeah, see, I think safer is a is a better word there. Maybe they see him as a more immediate fit. Um, you know, whatever role that they determine that he might ultimately end up filling, uh, you'll see a lot of. Collegiate starters, especially guys that are high-velocity guys, end up in the bullpen. Um, you typically don't draft college bullpen arms. That's not really a – it's not typically a thing. It does happen. Uh, you know, I think of like high or college, you know, closers or, or high-leverage, you know, bullpen arms. I think like Houston Street I think was like, you know, maybe it may have been the last college closer drafted that ultimately was a closer at the big league level. So, you know, when you, when you look at McMahon, you, you know, you say, you know, what are the intangibles, right? Velocity stuff, you know, can he get outs? Maybe he's really, uh, really good at, you know, getting lefties out or getting righties out. The Rockies go, you know what? If we fast track this guy and, and in two years, maybe he's in our bullpen contributing at the big league level, or maybe he's there sooner contributing at the big league level. It just depends on organizational needs and then obviously what are the metrics that that player brings to the table that might ultimately end up playing down the road you work with a lot of amateur players if if one of them comes to you and and, and says coach or jason um you know there's a team 
who called me up and offered me twenty thousand dollars to sign as a free agent because there's only five rounds this year, and after that, twenty thousand dollars is the limit. What would you say to one of these these young players, just really at the beginning of their career? Do they should they take that deal? What what advice would you have? That's a loaded question there, Patrick. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of factors that are going to go into that. Are you a college senior? Or are you a high school senior? Um, you know, collegiately. Uh, you know, what was your career like? Do you have leverage if you do go back? I mean, those are those are questions that are out there. I know we have, uh, I actually had uh, a pro organization call me and ask if I knew of any potential arms that would might that might go undrafted that they, uh, they might be able to kind of leverage into signing. And I gave them a couple of names of, of uh, actually two local guys um, that are at, you know, Division One colleges that had um, pretty good collegiate careers, and but probably maybe don't fall necessarily into uh, a top five round pick kind of guy. You know, for those guys, they one's a senior, one's a junior. Um, and obviously, guys can go back now with the whole you know COVID thing that that went on. Um, but I, you know, if you're in that leverage position where you're saying, all right, I'm a junior or a senior collegiately, I would I would have to weigh my prospects and say, if I go back to school, can I improve to the point where maybe next year I am a higher draft pick than, you know, a, a top five round or is school maybe not for me? I'm not really a school guy. I'm a baseball guy. I just want to get my career going and 20 grand's enough to say, let's get my foot in the door and let's start this program so I can get to the big leagues sooner. Um, you know, minor league pay is, is terrible. Um, you know, are you willing to endure that? I mean, you know, and I think those would be those would be kind of questions I would want to know. What is your uh, what is your what is your family situation like? Are you you know do you have a family of your own at this point? Um, you know, what's your comfort level with being away from home on your own? You know, with very little money in your pocket, are you able to survive in that kind of environment? I think those are big questions that you you know you have to ask yourself. You have to talk to your family about. For, for a high school kid, I think in this situation it'd be really hard to take uh, you know an outside outside of the fifth round twenty grand and go you know and go play pro ball. Right, a kid who has zero life experience, been living with mom and dad his whole career. Um, now you've got to talk. You know, now you've got to basically try and survive on your own in the wild. You know, maybe on you know the East Coast or you know, in on on the West Coast or down south somewhere, I think those that becomes a lot scarier situation. I think again, you know, going back to, to Drew's question earlier about you know collegiate and and, and high school athletes, again, maturity levels are really going to help determine how well that player is going to survive in that environment. Yeah, that's it's it's a lot to think about. And I think the average fan probably doesn't think about those things too much when they're like, "Hey, how come this nineteen-year-old who was supposed to be awesome has gone in a slump for two months? What's wrong right. with this guy?" Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of guys, a lot of guys are gonna are gonna wash out for that very reason. They just they don't know how to deal with being away from home on their own. Um, I, I mean, when I was a player, when I got drafted, I was a second-round draft pick. You know, I watched bonus babies that had got, you know, fairly big paychecks that, you know, they were out all night partying. They were blowing through their signing bonus. And, you know, two years later, they're broke. You know, they, they got a million, two million, whatever it was in the first round. And now they're, they're dead broke and they're living paycheck to paycheck. 
I'm like, how did you blow through all that money? Well, that's you know, immaturity being away from home for the first time with no leash on you know my finances. That's a lot for a young athlete to handle. Yeah, yeah. I want to get you back on the field for this last one. I, I was taking a look at the numbers from this Sam Weatherly kid, and you know, if we're going like, hey, could, could turn into a lefty reliever. That slider move is a foot and a half, and then I came, I come across this number. 5.5 walk rate per nine and and, and so i, I want to know uh, for rockies fans looking for some hope you know any kind of stories of a guy with that kind of command issue is there a way what how do you get that under control between now and whatever you're hoping for sure I, I think, that's not going to play at course right no 100 percent. and the rockies lead the league every year in walks and they have since their inception um and, and that's definitely a problem the reason, and I think for Rockies fans that are watching uh, and maybe questioning the pick, I think you have to look at the metrics. And I can't, I don't know if I can pull them up real quick or if you guys know how hard this kid throws or what his stuff grades out at. But my guess is you're talking about, you know, one of the better SEC baseball schools in the country. Um, and I guarantee you this kid, he's a, what is he, a right-hander? He's a lefty, they say. He's yeah. touching 95, 96 there, right. sitting at 94. So my guess is 94, 95, 96 left-hander um, with above average velocity. My guess is above average stuff in general. They're not looking necessarily at the walk rate. They're looking at the metrics going, you know what? I, I can maybe teach this kid how to command it, or maybe he's got a mechanical flaw that they see that they think that they can fix, but they're not going to pass on a high leverage arm just you know because they might be scared of a walk rate so again this comes down to a player development standpoint and you know bill schmidt and and, and the whole you know scouting department they look at those guys and go you know these are metrics that maybe we don't see a ton of uh in the draft this year and this is a kid who who might have a much higher ceiling because of those metrics uh maybe he's got a high spin rate ball maybe he's got plus plus uh movement on his pitches you know, maybe his, uh, and just looking at that video right there, it's a pretty wicked slider. Yeah. Um, the ball, the ball, uh, the fat, his fastball looks like it's riding or kind of, you know, carrying pretty good in the zone. So my guess is he's probably a high spin rate guy. Um, he's got plus plus metrics on his breaking pitches and they feel like maybe he's just one little tweak away from being a legitimate arm in their organization. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate all the insight, Jason. It's it's a lot. Uh, we we, we got to learn about these guys, and it really helps knowing all these ins and outs. We, we can't thank you enough for taking the time today. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Anytime. Thank you, Jason. Yep. Take care. All right, Patrick, I'm going to have to let you bring in our next guest oh, because I know how great. you Jersey guys got to hang together. <laughs> well, yeah, this is the thing. And so, yeah, my, my guest here is, uh, is Tom Sutaris, uh, the hitting coach for the, the high A Lancaster Jethawks. And uh, thanks for joining us, Tom. There you see him uh, a couple years ago in the All-Star Game uh, as one of the uh, Southern Cal coaches of the California League. And Tom, Drew always has Colorado people on. Uh, extolling the virtues of Colorado, now one of my own, near and dear to my heart, from the Jersey Shore, Tom's River, New Jersey. Tom, start off by telling us how great of a baseball community we have on the East Coast in Tom's River. 
I'll tell you what, if you don't know about Tom's River Baseball, I don't know, I don't know what's going on because it's an incredible place to, to be. I mean, I mean, seriously, like the number of players that have come out of that area, it's been, it's been unbelievable because you think of it as a you know, northern state, and but, but the density of baseball players in there is just incredible. And I've also been in Texas and in Arizona, so I've been around some great baseball in my life. And it was obviously, uh, I'm proud to be a Jersey guy and uh, proud, proud of where I come from, so. We were texting back and forth, and you brought up the name J.M. Gold, who I think he went eighth overall in 1998 to the Brewers. And I remember, I think he was 10-1 and one that season, was fantastic for Tom's River North. I was 3-0 and oh my senior year, and I did, I did not get drafted, nor did I get an no. offer to sign as an undrafted free agent. So were you scouting then? You missed me on that one. That's the one that you missed. <laughs> I, I was not scouting then, but it's kind of funny. I came back from being in the college game, and I came back, and they're like, you got to see this kid. You know, I thought I was a big college guy, and I'd seen it all. Then you get this kid out of the mountain throwing 97, 98 miles an hour with no effort. I'm like, wow, this kid, you know, that's something special. That's one of my first chances to see somebody who is really elite, you know. And, and I had to, you know, a few years later, all the three Frazier brothers came through with Todd being the last one. And, and what an unbelievable group of, you know, players coming through there. And the games at that point, if there was one time to high school, would have been among the best in the country. I mean, we had three great teams in one town, and it, it was just impressive. Impressive area to grow up in and be around some great baseball people. Tom, we, yeah. we want to ask you about some of these guys. I, I got two things before we get totally away from the Jersey stuff, because I am a new hockey guy. You a Devils fan? Uh, Flyers. Flyers oh, okay. fan. Okay. Well, so, so South Jersey is, like, yeah. equidistant to There's New York. A, and okay. Philadelphia, so you've got them. You've got both. You have your pick. Yeah, I gravitated towards the Philadelphia teams. I don't know why. I always heard, yeah, you know, maybe because the Rocky movies came out about that time. But I, I that connected with me because that's kind of my personality. So I, I love Philly. Our producer Allie is from Philadelphia, and anytime she has a chance to talk about Phillies or, or the Eagles, she's she's jumping in on it. <laughs> she's throwing her hands up. You can't she, see. She, she's she's like, yeah, Philly. Very excited. I, I believe her now. That's that's what I'm saying, but. <laughs> So, Tommy, I, I talked to uh, a couple of guys yesterday. We talked to Zach Wilson and we talked to Kyle Kirchival about this being sort of like Christmas. And, and I would feel I would think we'd feel the same to you. But I'm also wondering, you know, what's more exciting to get your hands on eventually a guy like a Zach Veen, who's just this extraordinary talent, or maybe some of these other guys who you see the potential there that's yet to be unlocked and, you know, Hey, we, we've got a little work to go here, but I see what you can become. Honestly, I, I'd love to tell you one or the other, but I just honestly, I love working with every kid that we have. Like every one of them presents a unique challenge and, and a unique way of trying to connect with them. And to me, those personal relationships are what it's all about. I mean, you know, maybe you, you have a kid who's drafted in the 30th round who's, who's working and sweating in there every day. And, and believe me, I, I feel like we give him the same attention. You know, we give our guy who's a first or second rounder. To me, it, it's not about that. It's about the person. And that's, to me, what is so much more important than, you know, his status. You know, I, I, I grew up in a house and there was always a belief that we treat the janitor the same way we treat the CEO. And, and, and not that we have anybody like that, but we just, to me, it's about treating everybody special and, and finding unique challenges because you don't know until you dive in there and develop that relationship and find out you know, what makes them tick and what makes them go. And it's just fun to try to figure that all out. It's like a great puzzle. It, it, it's so much fun. 
Colorado has so many interesting uh, affiliates as far as the ballparks and the situations uh, that they play, and it, it makes it really challenging for the pitchers and, and that they need to be prepared for that. But to a man, you know, when I, when I talk to, to some of the guys that, that, you know, you've been coaching over the years in Lancaster, I ask them, like, it's probably real easy to just pop a ball up, and it, it can carry out there in the Cal League, especially in Lancaster, right? There's some notoriously bad winds that can come there. How do you, you know, keep your players, you know, within themselves and say, look, you got to do the little things well. Don't just look, hey, I, I had two doubles today, when really maybe you got lucky. Yeah, well, well, to me, it's about just being consistent in what they're doing and having them approach on the road and at home and basically having an idea of what they're doing. It's not so much about having a great night tonight, but it's about what are you going to do to be a Colorado Rocky in the future and help us win a World Series. But to us, we're, we're always talking about winning baseball. The benefit of being in a place like Lancaster is you know if you encourage guys and you're positive with them and they square for baseball, they're going to get a result off. And I think the real challenge of baseball is when you go to a tough hitter's park and then you, you hit some balls well and they don't get the result and now they start facing hits. And, and to me, it's such a it's a mental game. You know, there, there's so much of it is about your mentality. And if, if you go into a game that's, um, you know, gets a tough pitcher and you hit a couple of balls hard and you get the result, it doesn't have to be well. That might have been an out somewhere else. They feel that and they build off that. I think it's the, the best thing there is being able to create confidence in hitters because they're going to get the result. If they spread the baseball, obviously they're going to get their you know cheap hits here and there. But I'll tell you what, a lot of the guys just between their ears at the conference level just skyrocket. If they know when they barrel up a baseball, a lot of good things happen there. And I think that 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 works between their ears more than it works like oh he just got lucky. You know, guys when batting comes there doesn't mean they got lucky and had a bunch of wind blown hits. It means they probably hit the ball hard and their confidence is probably skyrocketing all season. Well, I think it's really beneficial to play there from a hitting perspective, but I don't think it's just about, you know, hitting a pop-up and go and it's about doing things right and being stayed in the process. Have you had an opportunity yet to take a look at Zach Veen and Drew Romo much? And can you give us just a couple takeaways of what you've seen in their swings a little bit? Uh, I mean, obviously, what I've seen in Zach Veen, I've only seen a little bit of him. I mean, (laughs) he does so many things well. He moves so well. Um, he looks really athletic. Um, I mean, there's there's some special things you're seeing there. Um, and it's funny, I actually, I, I saw, I've, I've worked with Jerome Ho in a roundabout way probably four years ago when he was a freshman in high school. And I was at the University of Texas and he came to our camp in the summer. And immediately he was just, a, you know, he's a small kid at the time. But, and he was so athletic. And, and I love his athleticism is the one thing that stands out. And I believe when you're athletic, and you're working everything about him. I remember him because of his character, not because of, you know, some unbelievable gift he had. He's still, yeah, he's still really young at the time, but there's just something about his motor and the way he went about his business that to me was really, really impressive. That can Imagine. be a separator for any ball player, but for a catcher especially, you would think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I, I think that's definitely a separator. And, you know, at the end of the day, the guys we get are so incredibly gifted. Even the guys that, you know, don't make it. You say, wow, you know, what, what was he meant? A lot of times it's not that. It's what goes on between the ears and their mentality. And, and the, the, the difference if you see 16 pitches in a night, to not give a single pitch away, to, to be locked in for 16 pitches night in, night out is, is what is the difference maker. You know, if you, you, you zone out and chase five pitches because, you say, oh, I think I'm going to get a fastball in the swing with no plan, no purpose. They're the guys that, you know, kind of get caught up somewhere. Those guys that are 
consistent every single day and can and stay off the roller coaster during the season, they're the guys that are elite. So I think those intangibles are, are so crucial for you know, what guys end up there and what guys don't. And, and it's so hard to see until you spend time with them and get to know them who has those special abilities. Yeah, there's, you know, I, I imagine like most of the times with the players, they're they're not looking to see the prospect rankings and they don't care about that. They're they're doing the little things every day and I'm sure it's the same thing with the coaches. But two guys that, you know, I've been following and I, I think, you know, they, they don't really get their just due that you've worked with in, in the recent past are, are Casey Golden and Alan Trejo, two guys that, again, some people in the industry, you know, don't don't fancy them that much. But everything that I've seen tells me that these are some real quality players and, and should be, you know, given a lot more respect when it comes to young up-and-coming uh, stars of the future. Absolutely. I mean, Alan, Alan just plays defense. His, his brain works at another level. He's so, he's so advanced in his mental game, especially defensively. He's always thinking one step ahead. And, and and he's obviously going to do some damage in the box. He has some hit ability. He does a lot of things really, really well that are going to help you win ball games. And, and at the end of the day, that's what we're looking for. Guys can go up to Colorado and help us win ball games. You can put them in there and you can rely on them. You can trust them. And that's Alan. He's going to be in the right spot. And, and Casey just has raw power that's just – it's special. I mean, when, when the ball hits his bat, it just, it just makes a different sound. And I mean, the ball just goes, and, he, and he's so strong. He's so physical. He can run. There's, there's so many things he does that he brings to the table for an organization, and he just keeps getting better. And I think in 2018, uh, when you you guys hosted the uh, Cal League All Star Game, you had a guy there that did pretty well in the Home Run Derby, and. To my knowledge, I think he's having the best 2020 of any player in the world, and that would be Roberto Ramos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. I, I'm so happy for him. He is so, he was so much fun to, to be around and such a great kid, and, and I'm so happy to see him having that success. It's just so weird that we're, you know, we're, we're looking to see him. We see I'm turning on games at 1130 at night watching because I think he's going to get one more bat just to stab and watch him. He, you know, we, we had a really good relationship, and I yeah. I miss seeing him every day, to be honest with you. It's selfishly. And I, but I'm happy for him, and I'm happy to see him having success. Now he's, he's putting on a show out there for sure. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us, giving us some insight on, on these guys, and uh, I'm sure you're excited to, to get to work with them here pretty soon. No, absolutely. No, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just bitching to spend some time with these kids because – that's what it's all about. Yeah, you know, my wife is really getting tired of talking hitting with me, so um, you know, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So, are you working on her stance? Are you making sure she's got good separation? Or no, nah, she just talks. She says, "I do it naturally, and you got to trust me on it." She's she's a strong-willed Texan, and I I do it. She hits the ball, so I let it, let her do her thing. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> you can't uh, argue with the results. All right. No, really not. Thank you so much, Tom. We'll be sure yes, to catch up very soon. Me. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. It's great talking New Jersey. I'm kind of all fired up about talking Jersey right now. So you guys have Can you say the name Harrison for us? Harrison. Uh, no, you say it normal. We weren't I, sure if Patrick. I don't know. Patrick I don't says know if it's Harrison? The, Harrison? Yeah, I don't know if it's my Philly. I say Wooder from Philly. Wooder. I got the Wooder. I have I, to focus on water. Water, water. yeah. I have to focus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I got the North Jersey when I talk about, you know, if I'm talking about Day one of the draft, I'm talking about yesterday. So I got the New York <laughs> yesterday, and I'm drinking some water. Those are my two accents combining oh, together. 
I love it. I love it. Well, it's great to talk to you guys. You guys have a great night. And thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you. Great talking with you. We'll have to have him back on again once he's working with those guys. Talk more he's Jersey. Awesome. Look at that. He's great. Yeah, yeah he's, he's worked with some some fantastic guys down at Lancaster. Really, just every guy that comes through there. You know, I, I've seen you know a handful of guys at Asheville. You know, do relatively well, but they they really seem to take the next step with with Tom. Uh, and Lancaster, and, and whether they, they stay in the organization or they go elsewhere, like Roberto Ramos. Uh, you know, we even saw that with, with Luis Castro, who, you know, was a, I think he was a co-MVP last year of the Cal League. So, I mean, uh, Tom's doing some, some big things with Lancaster. He's been, been all around, so it, it was great having a couple of minutes talking with him. Absolutely. We'll have to have him back. I do want to remind everyone that our draft day coverage is brought to you by MSU Denver, which is uh, you know, a great place to go and better your education, whether you're starting out, trying to finish up, just getting some new tools in your bag. But it's also, of course, important that while you're studying, <laughs> you got your beverages ready to go. You got your Breck brew. Uh, if you're more of a Strava craft coffee person while you're trying to stay awake for your studies at MSU, I could totally understand that as well but you got to make sure that you're checking out all of our sponsors helping them out during this time because they help us out during this time and we really appreciate it just like we really appreciate all the guests that we've had on so far today we've still got at least one more really fun one i know on deck for you that we weren't able to get to earlier to get into the pitching conversation but i wanted to do really quick patrick well we've got a little bit of time something i was hoping we would have time for what you got? We, we got to talk about some weird ass baseball names. I mm. love weird baseball names. I don't know if we can come up with a full power ranking before we got to get back into talking to our, our next guest and, and getting on the board here. But Blaze we're, Jordan, we're naming Slade Sichoni, yes, Pete Crow Armstrong, PCA, Dylan Dingler. Carmen Mulginski, Mulginski. I want to put that L in there. Mulginski. That L is a trick. It's a trap. Leave it alone. Uh, Then you got Drew Bowser, underrated, named after the the villain of Super Mario Brothers, of course. Yes, because that's how it works in America. Your family name is the first, and your last name is off of a Nintendo game. Absolutely right there, Drew Yoshi. That's, that's 100. You know what? You know what I would give if people would actually call me Drew Yoshi. You know how cool. Well, maybe actually it doesn't really flow. I don't care. You put a Nintendo thing at the end of my name, and I'm rolling with it. There's, there's can, no way that. Can I just say the number of Drews and Patricks in the MLB? I'm starting to understand why you guys cover this no, sport. No, like, there aren't a lot of Drews and Patricks in MLB. It's only in Colorado. I, only. I, everything on this show has led me to believe there are a lot of Drews and Patricks. In MLB, so. It's very Patrick's everywhere. There were also five Austins in this draft. No, whose name? Who did you say? Austin? That's right. 316 says, Austin Martin, very close to being a car. Yeah. I have a car crash too. That sounds like a little like Mick Foley's music when he would come out, but I couldn't figure out a way to shoehorn that in. 
Oh, yeah. Well, disappointment. Ne- next time. Next time. Here are Alika. some that I think are... I like are the first un- name, Ooh, Alika. Alika. Alika Williams. There were a lot that had that going on where, like, one of the names was super interesting, and then it was, like, Smith or Williams. Or... Arizona State had the three, like, best as a team goes, right? Spencer Torkelson, mm. Alika Williams, yep. Gage Workman. Gage Workman's a good one. They won the draft name-wise. Name-wise, they did very well. I'll give you some that are underrated people might think ah, it's just a name i like the name carson montgomery underrated good name that's a uh that's a big leaguer name yeah carson montgomery that that, that's quality stuff i like howard we've acknowledged ed howard Howard. he could have played in the 1940s 1950s he may have i'm not sure if he's a time traveler or not yeah but he's he's a dude confirmation for you on that daxton fulton dax yes daxton fulton Here's one I really like, and there were multiple Slades in this, but Slade Wilkes. Yeah. A lot of I Slades. Like that. So you guys inspired me to look up some of the best baseball names in history just now. Oh, oh sure. History. Okay. And oh, well, then Tris Speaker, Rabbit. <laughs> there are plenty of great names, but there is only one man I found. In 1910, there was a baseball player that was just named Beer. <laughs> Hooray, beer. <laughs> so, um, is this normal for baseball? Should I just, like, accept that players just can be named whatever they want in this sport? I, I mean, I'm coming from a sport where people are just named things that Nordic letters and, and you use stuff like and that. You, they're all consonants. You, yeah. you add a Y on the end, right? You Rudo E. Um, yeah, yeah, that's your nickname. You add the y. <laughs> No, it's uh, there's there's a there's a player right now in in the Diamondbacks organization, Seth Beer. So beer night is going to be every night at at, at All right. Chase Field. So, Bruno, you just have to be a baseball fan now, pretty much. That's the rules, I think. A person named Beer by law, I have to follow that sport now. So, and 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 as far as baseball reference, and as as you know, a lot of these uh, documentarians, you know, keep track. They they don't. They don't treat the guy's real first name as as their name. It's their nickname is their name. So if you look, there's like 25 guys named Lefty, but none nicknamed Righty. Not a single one. That they're apparently uh, before his time a baseball player named Ten Million. The Rockies, in the 1900 1911 drafted a guy named Doug Million, first rounder, never made it to the majors. Did he make a million dollars at least? Probably not. Oh, well, he was brutal. a first-round pick. So brutal. Yeah, he, he was a first-rounder. So, so you're right. You're right. He might have made a million. We're talking, so Bradley, when I was, yes. was going to say, when I was a kid, it was Milton Bradley and Coco Crisp and uh, Pokey Reese and... Yeah. Covelli Crisp. Gookie Dawkins. Man, there's a couple of names another, on this list that I cannot name. put on a stream. Pumpsy <laughs> Green. I like the name Pumpsy Green. He was the first black player ever for the oh, Boston no. Red Sox. Last team to integrate. Dizzy. There have been some dizzies over the years. Yeah. A few and dizzies. Dazzy. There's also D- Dizzy and Dazzy. Dazzy. Dance. Yes. It's Diz- an unusual game we play. <laughs> and, and you got Paul and Lloyd Wayner, whose nicknames were Big Poison and Little Poison. And you go, well, it was because they were great hitters. And it's true. They're the only brothers to ever make it to the Baseball Hall of Fame. They of course, played for the Pittsburgh Pirates. But the reason they got their nickname was not because of their poisonous bats, but it was because when they went to a game in, in Brooklyn, 
Someone stood up, and as they were standing next to each other, and they looked alike, someone in the stand said, Hey, there's a big poison and a little poison. <laughs> and thus, a nickname was born. <laughs> wow. True. This are, is, these things are true. This is the game that we love. This is Burl, it. This is, this is the thing we've chosen to devote most of our lives you to. You didn't mention Burl Caraway. That's I another didn't. good name. Uh, actually, he was next on my list after Slade Wilkes. Uh, Marquise Grissom Jr. Yes. was in this draft, and and that's always been a phenomenal name. Marquise Grissom. That just sounds like he's an attorney at law or a great baseball player or like a Supreme Court justice. He's it's a Marquise pitcher. Marquise Grissom. He is not an outfielder like oh, his dad. Really? He's a pitcher. And, in fact, you can take it one step beyond that and really call him Marquise Grissom II. Anytime you can get a, a Roman numeral at the end of a name that's already dope. Uh, yeah, I've also got Zach McCambly. Yes, he was recently taken. I like Zach Deloach, and I was mm. hoping we could see if we can get some copyright music from Rage Against the Machine when Zach Deloach gets drafted, but uh, I don't think that's going to work out. Plus five to anyone who gets that. I like Thanks. Petey Halpin. That's Petey. a good one. Petey he was is... taken today. Yeah. Yeah, like he could have gone by Pete or Peter, but he doesn't. And again, it's like you were saying earlier, it's, he's listed as Petey Halpin. That's what it, it's going to say on his soon-to-be-made baseball reference page. Petey. Petey I Halpin. Was, I was worried you were going to say Tombstone. Um, so I'm glad, you, <laughs> I'm glad you said his I'm baseball not looking quite that far into the future I, I, today. We're riffing here, man. I, oh, I, I wasn't sure what was going to come out. Yeah, baseball has some great names, and you can actually pronounce them. Majinski yeah, yeah, like, was the hardest one. It was the closest to hockey. Kerstad, you should know. Mm. Nordic culture, the J is silent. There was an A.J. Vukovic that. who sounds like a hockey player. A.J. Vukovic. Uh, I like Landon Knack. I think that's an underrated good name. Landon Knack. Colt Keith? Not Keith Colt. Colt, Colt Keith. Keith. Okay. Okay. That's a professional wrestler. That's that's a Colton. Daniel Bryanson situation. That's a Brian, a Brian <laughs> Daniels. Yeah. That's a, that's a, no, he switched that around to sound cooler. Trenton Denholm? You're doing too much. Yeah, You're doing that's, too much. That's trying too hard. Not doing too much? Joe Boyle. Mm. Oh, Joe Boyle. I like Because you got to say it as one. You can't say Joe Boyle. It's Joe Boyle. And, and this last one is, is for Rudo because this player – uh, goes to school uh, not too far where where I went. Uh, he goes to CBA Christian Brothers Academy in New Jersey. The best player out of New Jersey, Patrick Riley. Great name. Gotta love Patrick's. I also enjoyed Kalai Rosario, Anthony Servidio, uh, and Milan Tolentino. Wow. Yeah. Those, yeah I those... love I love all his movies. Man, <laughs> Big controversial. Guy. Controversial sure. baseball sure. director, but. Yeah. Great with the dialogue and the action sequences, but, you know, some questions about how he puts his stuff together. <laughs> uh, well, sadly, it looks like, well, we're going to hang on for just a second. Let's let's talk a little bit more pitching. Hopefully, we'll be able to get our last guest in here. It sounds like we're having a couple of technical issues getting it together. But let's let's summarize our thoughts here. Uh, we I think we walked up to this line earlier, Patrick about giving the Rockies a grade overall for the 2020 draft. I'll, I'll let you take the floor to begin with. 
Uh, overall, how do you feel like the Rockies have done today? You know, I think overall, you know, obviously on, on the second day of, of a draft, once you get, you know, um, after the second round, there's not going to be a lot of a lot of pop. So your grade's going to be based on what you did in day one. And, you know, it's it's exciting. It's exciting what they were able to do with Zach Veen and, and Drew Roma. But I think the the goal was to grab some high-end starting pitchers out of the college ranks. And, you know, they grabbed one of those guys in Chris McMahon, so that's good. Uh, the second one, you know, there's there are some questions about Sam Weatherly, and, you know, that, that remain to be seen. So so time will tell. Uh, I, would, I would probably give them uh, a B. I would give them a, a solid B. Again, a lot of excitement. It's, it's a class that is a B right now, but going forward you could say hey this is one of the of the better classes at least high end you know one of the disadvantages of this class is that there was no sixth seventh eighth you know what i mean you're not going to get that gem where you go hey shoot you know what when the rockies went on and uh they had a deep run and and went to the nlcs in 2022 they got contributions from these two guys and you know maybe they were only worth one war in their career but they came out of you know, this year's draft or, or previous year's draft. And you go, hey, that factors in with how good you did. And the Rockies just don't have that benefit. So it's it's going to be hard in, in the grand scheme of things to to grade them on this, uh, especially because they they had the, the disadvantage of not being able to go deep. It's like a lot of things in 2020. There's so many disadvantages. And at, at least with hockey and, and, and basketball, they're coming back. And, you know, people might forget. Going forward, you know, in, in 20 years, people are going to forget, you know, the fact that, you know, the season took a, a four-month break right there in the middle. Um, but with the, the MLB season, you're going to look and you're going to see a drastically reduced amount of games. And it's it's really going to be hard to contextualize any of it. And and I think that the same applies for this draft. So hard to contextualize. But but right now in this moment, got to give them a B. You've got a big bat in Zach Veen and you've got – you know, you've got a big wish, you've got a big hope that Drew Romo becomes everything you think he's going to be. Absolutely. Well, it does look like we've got another guest in, so I'll give my grade after we've talked to someone from your old stomping grounds. We've talked to some people back at my old ones, but we've got from the Boulder Collegians running the show over there, knowing a thing or two about amateur baseball. It doesn't look like we've got any video for you, so we're just going to be hearing the voice of Matthew Jensen. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And uh, how are you enjoying the draft? There's a draft going on? <laughs> is, that, is that what's happening? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, uh, life sometimes allows you to participate in things, and sometimes it doesn't. And uh, my life does not allow me to participate in the draft at this point. Uh, I'm out uh, quarantining myself in my car, as you can see. I have a six-year-old and a and uh, and a, a wife at home that probably I'm driving crazy at this point. So, um, in all honesty, Major League Baseball draft uh, all put together, it's been challenging ever since I created the Collegians to to really get into any other baseball outside of of my own just because I'm so wrapped up in it. And, uh, um, you know, I'm a season ticket holder for the Rockies and, you know, Patrick and I have even 
uh, said hello to each other out there a few times, and um, I, I enjoy the game a lot, but again, uh, as an owner of your own team, it sort of doesn't allow you to, 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 to pay attention as much as I might like to. Well, you, you mentioned the Boulder Collegians, of course. You are maybe one of the only owners. Uh, I know the Monfords are not, but uh, you're, you're one of the few actually playing baseball. The Rocky Mountain Baseball League is a summer collegiate league uh, right here in Colorado featuring some, some fine college players from around the country, Division I uh, even, and, and you guys are having games. How is that going so far? Uh, you just started last Monday. How, how are the collegians doing? How is the league doing? Well, we're alive. We're playing baseball, um, and we're actually broadcasting our games, too. So we're putting it out there for the world to see, and um, it, it, it's very different. It's, you know, as, and, and I want to be very careful with my title that I give myself as an owner because our team isn't 501c3, so technically I, in the baseball sense I'm an owner. In the nonprofit sense uh, uh, I'm actually an employee. <laughs> Um, but uh, we're very, very proud as a, as a league and as an organization to be able to offer these young ball players an opportunity to play after the hiatus that they've had uh, over the last few months. Um, I, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be a ball player right now, and, and I feel like these guys are, probably feel like they're missing a limb, not being able to be out there and, and play ball. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I view, I know you guys are talking about draft and professional baseball, but, again, I, I, view, I view those two things, you know, very differently where my guys are still running through a brick wall to, uh, to get to that next level, whatever it takes, playing hurt, playing sick, you know, and, and these, these young men now are ask, they're risking their health, uh, you know, we're, while we're opening things up in the state of Colorado, there still are some risks. And as a league and as an organization, we certainly take those things very, very seriously. We've implemented some new procedures. Uh, you know, I know uh, a lot of talk around the major leagues is how are they going to do it. And we, we've had to move all of our games out to sort of this – it's pretty cool, actually, this kind of field of dreams uh, uh, field out in Weld County – um, where Weld County's restrictions are a little bit less, but that doesn't mean that we take the state restrictions any, any less serious. Um, and we've got masks. Uh, we're doing temperature checks. We're, we're, we're extending dugouts out for guys. Um, you know, we're, we're, ask, we're not telling fans and parents that they can't show up, but uh, we want to make sure that they're social distancing if they, if they do choose to do that. Um, so... Uh, we're around, and we're here. We're very proud to have, have baseball right now and, and to be one of the only ones, uh, the only show in town. Yeah, we, uh, real quick before we let you go, glad to hear you guys are being safe. Uh, is there a name or two you could give us to maybe keep an eye out for for the 2021 draft? Who, who, who's the best collegian you got right now? Uh, it's early it's in the season, I know. For, it's a little early for, for us to say, honestly. There's a lot of guys shaking the rust off, and uh, you know I, I I don't know right now. Uh, I need more time with my guys before I can start <laughs> putting draft draft status on them. Uh, you put me on the spot there. We we've got some great some names. 
to look out for for us this year. Uh, I really like the way Tyler Mata from Rocky Mountain High School has played. He's down at Eastern Arizona Junior College, real scrappy uh, second baseman player. Uh, Cherokee LeBeau uh, from Oakland, uh, our, uh, one of our D1 guys is out there. Nick Arivo uh, plays at Eckerd College out in Florida. He's one of our returning guys. Um, and really what we're trying to do is it's a COVID season, so we're trying to get these guys in the right mindset uh, to, to change things up a little bit. You can't go out and throw 50% breaking balls. You know, you got to hit the fastball right now when you see it. And so we're trying to really get these guys back, slow the game down for them so that they can go out and get better. All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much for taking the, the time to join us. Uh, we appreciate everything you got to say. We'll hopefully have you on again, talk more collegians. We'll send people your way this year at somewhere where they can go out and, and see some baseball. So if you're listening to this, check them out. Go find some Collegians baseball. Our web, website, bouldercollegians.com, will have our schedule and, and links and a backstory. You know, we've got a real rich history of professional ball players and even some Hall of Famers. I'm sure Patrick will uh, elaborate. But uh, thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you guys. I'd love to come on again. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. Good seeing you, buddy. All right, well, we got to go right next uh, to our next guest here, somebody I'm very excited to talk to. It doesn't look like we were able to get the video to work out, but we do have the audio. One of my go-to sources whenever I'm talking about or thinking about pitching, we have always got to talk to a former Colorado Rockies pitcher, grew up in the altitude. Now you can find his work over at woodypage.com. One of our favorites, Mark Knudsen. Glad we were able to get everything worked out here, Mark. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Almost everything. Couldn't quite get the audio or the video to work. I tried my iPod. My iPad wasn't cooperating. So on my PC, but I'm a camera here. By the way, next time you have Matt Jensen on, um, I coach in the in the other league. There's two Rocky, two collegiate leagues around here. Um, Jason Hirsch's league is not going to function this year as a league, so we'll play independent. I coach with the Greeley Grays on that team. We played Matt's team last year. We played the collegians. Coached by a very good friend of mine, Mark Goodman, who was on my staff at, at my high school staff a couple of years ago. He's now the head coach of the Collegians. Matt Jensen came into the game and pitched against us. He suited up <laughs> and he came in the game and he pitched against us last year on July 4th. So you're going to have to ask him about his outing against the Greeley Grays last year on, on, on uh, July 4th. He came out of the press box. He had been doing announcing because Jake, our boy Jake, wasn't there that day, Shapiro. <laughs> yeah. So Matt was in uniform, brought, doing the PA announcing, came down to Incense and pitched in the game. <laughs> So, That's I mean, amazing. you got some stories with that guy. He's, he's a character. And the field he's playing at now is called Bigfoot Turf Farms up in yeah. LaSalle. We played, a, we played a scrimmage game up there with my kids a few weeks ago. Um, Greg Johnson, the guy who runs that place, is just a phenomenal guy. Um, he, you know, high school kids, a lot. Of, I mean, it's the only game in town. It's a privately owned field, so it is a field of dreams. It's out there in the middle of a turf farm. And it's a field of dreams in, in reality, and it's also uh, privately owned, so restrictions don't matter. Right now, the high schools and the colleges are – their fields are locked down. And it's making it hard for everybody, anybody to play baseball. Yeah, I, I would imagine. And Mark, I know you're you're real plugged in in this area. You do a lot of work in the state with pitchers, with just mm -hmm. ball players in general. Um, so I'm going to assume you know way more about Case Williams than I do. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you about the really. other guys, but okay, he's, yeah, give me your thoughts here. He's a, he's a five A kid, so I didn't we don't I didn't see him. I, I coach at three A. Mm -hmm. Um, but Dan O'Dowd, I was watching before I came on. I was watching Dan O'Dowd on there. Dan brought, brought up a you know a point that I, you and I have talked about a lot, Drew, and that's local kids uh, drafting a local kid, a Kyle Freeland uh, kind of kid who's used to these conditions. 
And it's not just the altitude, it's the dryness, it's all sorts of things. But you draft a kid like that who uh, isn't going to be afraid to pitch it. That's all he knows. You know, I know when I was drafted, I, I was a third-round pick of the Astros, and I was from here, and I went down to Florida. And I had to make the reverse adjustment. I had to learn mm -hmm. how to deal with the ball that broke a little bit more and moved a little more. I sweated a whole lot more. So I had to make the reverse adjustment. And I think um, that that in itself is difficult to do. But he will have the advantage. Now, where is he going to go? He's not going to play. Maybe is there going to be a Grand Junction Rockies in the future? We don't even know that. So he's going to play, you know, probably start next year in Arizona. If there's anything he can do this year in the fall, that would be in Arizona. So, you know, and a high school kid's always going to be five or six years away. Let's just be honest. It's not, you know, it's, it's, he's not going to be here next year. But when he does get here, and hopefully he comes back here and trains in here in the offseason and stays acclimated to these conditions, um, he'll be one of those guys that doesn't complain about it, which is wonderful. Yeah, some of these pitchers, uh, particularly, you know, Sam Weatherly is, is a guy who was, uh, we saw him taken in the, the third round there by yep. Colorado. Only has two pitches, you know, a changeup is, is not there. A, one pitch that uh, seems like it would be relatively effective in Colorado was thrown by a former teammate of yours, Mike Scott, the split finger fastball. Do you, how difficult of a pitch is that to throw? And, and do you think that could be one that would be relatively effective at Coors Field and keeping the ball down? Yeah, a, a split finger fastball is dependent on your arm angle. If you're a three quarter guy, you're going to have trouble with that pitch because of the way it's gripped and the, and the spin will be more sideways. It won't really do as much. It'll be more of a changeup. Mike Scott threw right over the top. He was your classic L arm angle guy right over the top. So his fingers were at nine, nine o'clock and three o'clock, which is where you want if you're going to get the tumble, the straight down tumble. So it's not a pitch for everybody to use. Um, but it is it, any pitch here will be effective, especially somewhere you're taking spin and taking speed off of ball. I know talking to Darren Holmes about this a couple of years ago, he said the pitch, the pitch that he thought was the most, most negatively impacted by, by the altitude was the cutter. Uh, and we saw it with a guy like Tyler Chatwood. And it's just the way the spin, they do their, their thing with spin rate and all that stuff. And they noticed the cutter was not really super effective here. They really started teaching curveballs. They've been pushing John Gray to throw a curveball. They want curveballs because the spin is tired. The tighter the spin, the less uh, the altitude is going to affect it. So um, a split finger is, a, is essentially a changeup. I mean, it's just a changeup. The effectiveness of it is it looks just like a fastball. It leaves the hand. so it gets, And it does, it just runs out of juice when it gets to the home plate and drops because of the velocity. So any pitch here can be affected if it's stoned properly, but some pitches are harder to throw here than others. Well, we, we saw that work for Hideo Nomo when he threw a no-hitter, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, in that real humid night, a real rainy, humid night, yeah. Um, like I said, anything can work if you do it right. Ubaldo used a splitter for, for a mm -hmm. decent effect for a while. And, yes, and he did. De La Rosa's changeup was yep. a split changeup. Yep. So. yep, it was, right over the top guys, too. Uh, what do you think of this kid, Chris McMahon, out of Miami? Well, first of all, we, you and I talked earlier, and I talked to Patrick Saunders about this too. Last year, the Rockies drafted all college guys, right? Yeah. Start to finish, all college guys. That tells you that your farm system is a little, little less deep than you'd like it to be. You need guys to get here quicker. Because a college kid, if he does it right, is going to be here in a couple of years, maybe. I mean, what, Troy Tulowitzki was a, a year and a day, I think. So those guys are going to be on the fast track to get here. When you're feeling better about the depth in your farm system, you'll take a flyer on a high school kid. Um, the kid, that, that's why I said, I don't, I don't know anything about the kid from, from Florida, the high school outfielder they got from Florida in the first round. They must feel like they got another David Dahl prospect. That's yeah. the guy that jumped to mind for me. But the pitcher from Miami is ready. He should be, he should be close, right? He, he's, he's pitched in the high, at the highest level of college baseball. He's proven himself. He's grown up. 
I mean, personally, if I was in the front office, I wouldn't, I'd stay away from high school kids because you just don't know what you're going to get. They're so young. You're giving them a ton of money. You have no idea. You might get an Nolan Arenado. You might get a Trevor Story. You might get a Doug Million. You have no idea what you're going to get, right? So um, with a college kid, you're Doug Million shout out on this show. May he he rest in peace. But That's right. um, You're going to get guys uh, who call at the college level who you're a little bit more sure of, like they got last year with the first baseman from UCLA, like they got the pitcher from Mississippi State, Rollison, last year. Those guys are on the faster track. So I think – McMahon will be on the faster track, certainly, than being the first round pick. Yeah, I I like that, and and obviously, you know, the this the high school catcher is not going to be on anywhere close oh, no. to a fast track. No. But when I started reading about the the defensive capabilities of this kid, I mean, at what level it, it, it does the ability for a guy to do all the things as a catcher taken from like pretty good, great to elite and and when does it really start to matter when does it make a difference for you as a pitcher what that's well a, a catcher has to have, be of the mindset that defense is his number one priority that that's the, the biggest thing that the pitchers are worried about i i, I mean i had the, the privilege of pitching to a guy named charlie o'brien who became greg maddox's yeah. personal catcher later in his career charlie was an okay hitter but that didn't matter charlie was all about catching it's all about the defensive position and he was he was extraordinary at it. Um, there's very few Johnny Benches or Yadier Molinos or guys like that that can do both. Now I'll, I'll throw something at you guys. Who was the first? Who's the the best quarterback the Denver Broncos have ever drafted? Drafted. Oh. Yeah, this kind of is been, one of those. Yeah. Kind of been a black hole, hasn't it? Who's the yeah. best? Go- who's the best goaltender the Avalanche have ever drafted? Arudo's going to have to send another, us a message on that one. <laughs> another black another black hole, right? Yeah. The Rockies have that black hole at catcher. They've had an all-star at every single position on the diamond except catcher during, during their career history. So they're going to look at a kid like this. Or the, the name escapes me, the kid who played at Regis. Matt, I think Max George is the kid who played at Regis, yeah. mm-hmm. but they've converted to a catcher, mm-hmm. just like they did with Tony Walters. Um, it, you know, the best catcher they've ever drafted, you could argue, is a guy named Nolan Arenado, right? You could, you could argue that. And then he doesn't even become a catcher. So I, I think they've got – obviously a high school kid is somebody – they must have – the raw tools must be, you know, spectacular for him to be in the first first round draft pick, but he's a long ways away. He's got to learn pitch selection. He's been relying on his arm. He's got to learn. He's got to work on pop times. Um, a guy like Tony Walters is a perfect guy to learn that from because Tony Walters pop time is extraordinary. He's not, Tony's not a spectacularly good defensive catcher receiving all that, but boy, does he get rid of the baseball. It barely touches his glove before it's on its way to second base. And that's the envy of most catchers. So if you've got, if the kid's got the tools, he's got the strong arm, He's got all that, and he can learn how to get rid of the ball, call call a game, make sure everything stays away from the backstop. All those things that are critically important to a baseball game. You know, he can be an impact guy, and I don't even know how he hits. I really is secondary to how he catches. Yeah, you mentioned Charlie O'Brien uh, mm-hmm. caught until he was forty years old, and is yep. the answer to an interesting trivia question of who brought the hockey style goaltender mask. To the major yeah, he, leagues, it was Charlie O'Brien when he, he was did in one of the. Yeah, he did. He really. Toronto. Well, Charlie had that big curly head of hair, and so <laughs> what, he had to cover it yeah. up somehow. But um, yeah, he what, was. What made he, him so effective? Why you called him the, the greatest catcher? You he had. Work with. He was the best guy I threw to. He he had incredibly soft hands. He he accepted the ball. He didn't. He didn't. The ball didn't smack his glove. Right? It's kind of it's like a pillow. And Tom Seaver told me once that Jerry Grody was like that too. He's because mm. I you know I mentioned Tom Seaver who was my idol. That's why I wore forty one my whole career. And I was talking to him once when he was a broadcaster, and I said, man, it must have been great to throw to Johnny Bench, who was my 
idol as a kid. He said, the best catcher I ever threw to was a guy named Jerry Grody, who had these incredibly soft hands. The ball just kind of went in there. And Jerry Grody would break in his glove with five baseballs from, from Pinky's thumb. And so he could catch the ball on his pinky, which was off the plate. And the umpire didn't know. He thought might have got it in the thumb, right? So a guy like that, nuances like that make great catchers. And Charlie was a guy who he didn't take his at-bats back behind the plate with him. You know, the other mm-hmm. catcher on our team that year was a guy named B.J. Surhoff, who was a, a yeah. star, right? B.J. was a great player. But B.J. Mm-hmm. was an offensive player. B.J. loved to hit in the play in the outfield for the Braves. Uh, and B.J. Would, would make it out and then come back behind home plate and be mad about it. And maybe he's talking to the umpire about a pitch during his at-bat, which is very common. I, I'm not distant B.J. in any way, shape, or form, but his mindset was offense first. And Charlie was exactly the opposite. Charlie was defense first. That's really, really important for a catcher. And that's one of the reasons Charlie was so great. It's interesting when you say that about Drew Romo, because in the write-up, uh-huh. one of the things it says, soft hands. Soft yeah, hands. That, that's he, super important for a catcher. Called his you're games not, in high school, too. Yeah, you're not you're not pancaking the ball. You're not smack, slapping the ball. You're just kind of absorbing the ball, right? You're catching it. And, and uh, yeah, that's important. And I my hat's off to his coach if he'd let him call it. I let my catchers call their pitches. I think it's... The pitchers, first of all, calling the pitches, right? The pitchers deciding what you're going to throw. Right. So for me to call the pitches from the bench is kind of dumb because I, it's a suggestion. <laughs> That's all it is. Right. And the same with the, if the catcher's looking at me every pitch, the catcher's not learning anything. I want the pitcher and the catcher to have a synergy. I want them to know what's going on out there. So I, I'll talk to them between innings about certain things, but we don't have scouting reports on these three eight players we're playing against. So we can't say, well, this guy hits this and that you got to learn the whole job, and I'm glad, very glad to hear that, that he's let his coach let him call pitches because that gives him a little bit of a leg up in this day and age where college coaches are calling pitches, which is terrible. Right. right. I, that, that blows me away. That's, that's terrible. A, that's a control freak thing right there. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to – and and I, I want to pull back the curtain a little bit here and sure. say that I really meant to have – Mark on yesterday, but I I had made a mistake and I wanted to get you in early, and then they didn't end up taking any pitching, and so that yeah. sort of wanted to talk worked about out this, better. But what? So what I'd like to to have you do now is I just, I just want to give you the floor, man. We really appreciate you the uh, you coming on here and and chatting with us. So literally anything you want to plug, uh, anything that's going on in the world of baseball. What is it? What do, what do they do? I haven't watched around the horn in forever. Five good yeah. minutes. Is that still a thing? Ten, take, I, take the I, time I you want. The, the floor um, is yours, sir. I, I would just say this. We're all, we all want to see Major League Baseball, right? We all hope that, that we see Major League Baseball. Are you guys sure that what we're going to see, if it does come back, is actually going to be mm-hmm. Major League Baseball? I mean, the players can't sit together in the dugout. They can't high five. They can't celebrate. They can't do this. And I understand the reason for that. As Matt was just talking about, we've got to maintain our, our, our protocols here. But I'm not so sure I want to watch this product. And the owners certainly don't want to watch this product. They're, they're doing everything they can do to not have a season, right? And they just don't want to be blamed for it. So I, I, all these people who are, who are, you know, the sky is falling, baseball's killing itself. You know what? And I think you pointed this out too, Drew, on Twitter. If, the, if there's no baseball this year, guess what? The game's going to survive. We're all going to be okay. It'll come back. It always comes back. You've had two straight decades of record growth um, economically. The owners certainly could absorb a bad year if they wanted to, but they're billionaires for a reason. They don't want to. They're talking. They're not talking about money. They're trying to recruit money they've lost. They're talking about money to recruit money they project to lose. Right? They're gonna lose it if they have to pay out these things. They don't want to. I, I suspect if they end up losing money, they're gonna make it up on the back end somehow. That means we either fans pay more or players get paid less or something. They're not. They're businessmen. Um, but I, I just think that the premature death of baseball. Oh, if they don't do this. This is a, a situation nobody was ready for. Nobody had planned for this. Nobody had a, 
had a blueprint. If it, if it results in, the, in not having a baseball season, chalk it up to COVID-19 and, and let's move on to next year. And um, there are significant issues, collective bargaining issues for, for 2021 that don't involve prorated salaries and that nonsense, right? It's a totally different situation. <laughs> right. When the, when the CBA expires, it's going to be about arbitration eligibility more than anything else, making sure that younger guys get paid sooner because you're, they're correctly not getting paid later anymore correctly not getting paid that contract when they turn 30 anymore for a good reason right, because but, the stats the analytics show that they're not worth it the analytics right. show that albert pools contract was a disaster right. so they're not doing that anymore and that's good so i, I think there's significant issues that tony clark and the, and the, the baseball players union is, are going to bring up in that regard um but that's separate from this this is just totally different issues and people trying to mend the or blend the two are, are off the, off the markets. They're not they're different situations. We'll, we'll we'll survive if there's not baseball this year. We'd like to see it. I mean, I think I'd like to see it. How, how, have you guys seen it? Watch South Korean baseball in the middle of the night. I, Hell yeah! Can you see can you see cardboard cutouts of fans in the stands at Coors Field? I'm having trouble visualizing that. Uh, I could get into it. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's something. Yeah. It's something. It is. But I mean, what are they going to do when? I mean, somebody wants to dump Gatorade on somebody. You can't do it, right? No, the, the one that bugs me the most, because as a player in high school on, I spit all the time. I, I don't even chew tobacco. I just, I'm a cereal spitter. And they're not going <laughs> to let me spit. I mean, I'd be tossed in the first inning. I, I would. I would have been out there and spit and boom, you're out of the game. I mean, I could not help myself. I wear a mask when I go out in public. I've spit in my mask three times. <laughs> three times. Wow. Just I haven't done that. I'm a spitter too. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it, I'm like, how, how am I an adult yeah. man? And I do that. I don't smoke I do. in that, but right. spitting. Yeah. I, I do it all the time. Either. And three times in my mask. And I, so um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's programmed in and they're trying to program. And a lot of the things these players do on the field are programmed in, right? Muscle High five your teammates. And, and now they're not going to do that. And I just, you know, my daughter and I were talking and she goes, we were driving by Coors Field and she goes, I said, not being. She goes, won't that be weird for the players to play in front of no stands? I said, well, some of them, maybe not in some ballparks, they're used to it, but certainly here it, it'll be. <laughs> the Marlins will be fine. Yeah, Marlins. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I saw that video the other night of Jose Canseco giving up that home run to bounce off his head, and yeah. if you saw the ball bounce, I said, there is like nobody in that picture in the stands. There's nobody there. I don't think they were in Cleveland or something, but no one. But yeah, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird for NBA players and weird for NHL players. And, and if Rob Manfred's right, and there is a, a season. We'll see. I would like to see them close it out with a tournament like the College World Series. Just go bring, you know, do a go down to Arizona, play the spring training sites in November, and play a six, you know, sixteen down to eight kind of thing, and have a College World Series tournament. Two fourteen brackets, the champions play, the winners of the brackets play a, a three game series. How much fun would that be? Make it your memory. If you oh. do this, make it memorable for good reasons, not for just bad reasons. I am so in. I am yeah. so down. Wouldn't that be fun? All right. Be, well, the, I, I'm in. You, you, you sold me completely, right. Mark. Um, thank you so much for right, taking guys. the time to join us. Professional pitcher, My professional plan. spitter. Absolutely. <laughs> you can find his work at WoodyPage.com. Uh, also doing great work on the radio with Michael Clark. I really appreciated your right, non-sports segment recently. So, yeah, that was thank you, Mark. That was tough to do, but glad we did it. Very yeah. glad. It, it, it was important. So, thank you so much. All we'll right. we'll see you hopefully down at the ballpark real soon. Um, All right, I gotta say it. I love Mark Knudsen. I, I I've only talked to him very briefly, once or twice, but, 
But, oh, my gosh. Especially if he's telling stories about Charlie O'Brien. I love me some Charlie O'Brien. Got Charlie For, yeah, he brought O'Brien the catcher. He brought that goalie mask to, the, to, to MLB. He yeah. was the guy. That's an innovator right there. Yeah. You got to have uh, – yeah, I, I like I said, he, he's oftentimes my go-to guy when I've got a – a question about pitching, he's usually in the box. I can go and, and chat with him, and uh, he's got that unique perspective of having yeah. grown up in the altitude, having pitched for the Rockies, pitched for other organizations as well, probably had his best years with Milwaukee, but we don't talk about that. Um, and um, spits in his mask. How can you not glean information he's out honest. of somebody like that? All right, thanks, everyone, for listening into this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast. Going to have a few more of these snippets from draft day if you missed them. I thought there were a few other things, some deep dives into both Zach Veen and Drew Romo that we can provide for you. A few other conversations with some fun guests that we had, so be on the lookout for those. Make sure you're subscribing to the DNVR.com, to all of the podcasts on our network. Really, if you're even a little bit of a fan of any of the sports, you'll become an even bigger fan of Certainly rugby, if you're watching or listening, (laughs) you listen to podcasts. I know this format. Um, Colton Strickler over on the rugby side. Obviously, you know, the guys doing the stuff with Avs, Nuggets and Broncos and the Denver Sports Podcast. Uh, Plus, if you're into gaming, we got the DNVR gaming podcast going once a week with myself, AJ and Rudo, sometimes Brendan Vogt, talking about our favorite video games, talking about our favorite topics in video games, some of that might be appealing to you, even if you're just the most casual uh, gamer. And Brandon Spano, the boss, the big man uh, here at DNVR, has a podcast now uh, about business and running business. So make sure you're just checking all the podcasts we've got, anything that sounds interesting to you. Give it a download, give it a listen, see what you think. Help out all of our sponsors during this time because it helps us out, helps you out. You know the drill. Drink your Breck Brew, get yourself manscaped. Uh, take take care of your mile high green cross situation, uh, and and you know use Davidsons to order your Breck brew. I always got to remember gotta gotta use Davidsons, and uh, yeah. Other than that, just continue to be absolutely awesome out there. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here, and until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.